The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, whether you are present with us here or listening live over radio signals at WBUR 90.9 FM or over the internet at WBUR.org or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney, and I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away this week. We bear particular greetings this morning to our guest choir in Coro Novo, bearing the music for us this morning, and also to Miss Jessica Chica, who is our preacher this morning. Jess has served for the past four years as Chapel Associate for Lutheran Ministry, although she transitioned this past week to now serving as our university chaplain for international students. We are grateful for her bearing the word this morning and for her new expansion and development of role in ministry among us. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Today, as we celebrate Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan River, we remember that in baptism, God calls us out of darkness into marvelous light, and that to follow Christ means dying to sin and rising to new life. As the choir sings the Kyrie, together we reaffirm our baptisms as we reject the devil and all rebellion against God, renounce the deceit and corruption of evil, repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbor, turn to Christ as Savior, and trust in Christ as way, truth, and life. May God, who has given you the desire to follow Christ, give you the strength to continue in the way. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob... He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, 
Do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 29 responsibly with the antiphon.
Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl, the ships the forest bear. And in this temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Please rise as you are able for the glory of Patri and the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Thanks to all of you for coming out on such a gloomy day in Boston. 
It's a pleasure to be with you in the pulpit of Marsh Chapel again during this first week of Epiphany. My thanks to Dean Hill and the rest of my Marsh Chapel colleagues for the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, we've transitioned into a new liturgical season within the church this week. Christmas is officially over. The Magi made it to the manger. We're all getting back to our post-holiday work routines or preparing for the next semester to begin. I don't know about you, but the transition from the holiday season has been somewhat of a rough one for me. Waking up before 8 a.m., no more afternoon naps, watching less TV. Well, okay, maybe marginally less TV. That's been harder for me to transition out of. Over the past week or so, my husband and I have been binge-watching the HGTV show Property Brothers. If you haven't seen this show, the premise is basically that a couple or an individual is looking to purchase a home, and they have great expectations for what they want in the home. And then they come to realize that those expectations cost a lot of money. And then they end up purchasing a fixer-upper home that gets renovated. One of the brothers is a real estate agent, so he helps them find and purchase the home. And the other brother is a contractor who creates the vision for all of the things that the homeowners want and executes it for them. I don't know why, but the process and the drama of the show is addictive. Episode after episode, you get drawn into the personal quirks and potential of the potential homeowners and the unexpected problems they run into in renovating a house. But it hit me a few days ago that the storylines in Property Brothers are really similar to the narrative of the baptism of Jesus and Luke. No, really, there's a connection. I'm going to get to it. <laughs> One of the big parts of the show is the brothers, Drew and Jonathan, getting the homeowners on board with doing renovations. There's usually a bit of played-up drama at this point, people wanting a house that they can just move into instead of having to do work on an older, out-of-date house. Most of the homebuyers at some point complain about having to do renovations, some of it about the time it will take or the expense, but mostly about not really being able to see how a rundown place could be transformed into something new. How what they can desire can come about in a space that they can only see in one way. The property that they purchase will undergo a transformation and they themselves will go through a great period of transition, of living their lives through this process of transformation. Although his primary jo show, job on the show is to be the designer and the contractor, Jonathan ends up reaffirming and consoling the home buyers that the vision really will come true. They just have to be patient and realize that he does know what he's talking about. And in the end, it usually ends up working out. The property's brothers have helped individuals find a home and make, their ren make it their renovative vision. What does a reality television show about home purchasing and repair have to do with today's gospel lesson about the baptism of Jesus? Well, they both describe the complicated nature, nature of transitional moments. Transitions are hard, whether it be buying a new home, starting a new job, grieving a loss, or some other massive life change. The period of going from what was to what will be can be daunting, but at the same time, it can also be exciting new possibilities, new relationships, new discoveries about yourself. But in that transitional moment, the mixture of old and new, of intimidation and expectation can be overwhelming. In today's gospel, we learn of Jesus's baptism and the events surrounding it. We encounter John the Baptist, a relative of Jesus, according to Luke, 
who recognized who Jesus was when both of them were still in utero. Remember that back in Advent, he leaped in Elizabeth's womb when Mary came to tell her that she was pregnant. It's that same person. John has a special knowledge of Jesus' origin and who he will become, so it's not surprising that he plays an important part in the start of Jesus' ministry. I will say that it's unfortunate that our gospel reading today starts where it does. Because before this section that is focused on the baptism of Jesus, there's a description of what John is, is doing and his interaction with the people he attracts. I think this is really integral to actually understanding why the people thought that John might be the Messiah, and also how John's ministry connects with Jesus' ministry. So for some context, I'm going to read part of it for you now. From Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 14. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness... Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. John is called by God in the wilderness to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, as stated in the book of Isaiah. So he begins his prophetic ministry, baptizing those who seek repentance for their sins. However, John does not just baptize those who seek to be included as part of those who are chosen. He's also very clear that it's not just claiming one's heritage as part of the family of Abraham that will save the people, but that they must also behave in appropriate ways, acceptable to God, which will support the community. He instructs them to share what they have, to not treat other members of the society, and to not abuse power that they might have in the positions they hold in society. Doesn't this all sound a little bit familiar? I think it helps set the context for the gospel reading we heard today. John is not just preparing the way for Jesus by baptizing people, but also reminding the people of the words of God found in the book of Leviticus to love their neighbors as they love themselves, especially when it comes to fair distribution of property. John points back to the historical roots of Judaism. He uses his position as a prophetic voice to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. However, Like some enthusiastic groups of people, the crowd misidentifies John as the Messiah. 
John, instead of taking this honor and running with it, says, no, you've got it all wrong. I'm not the Messiah. John knows his role, bridging the old ways of Judaism with the new reality that will be found in the life and death of Christ. John is a transitional figure. He has vision of the future but emerges from the past. He fits within the prophetic tradition of Judaism but knows that the Messiah will bring a change to the way people understand their relationship with each other and with God. John knows his role and his position in this narrative. He is at the threshold of something new, and part of his role is to prepare the people for this great transition, how they should behave before and after the transition takes place. Luke's gospel is specifically focused on Jesus' ministry with the poor and the oppressed, and John's message of both repentance and goodwill to others continues this idea. Luke's gospel doesn't tell us the story of Jesus' baptism the the way that most of us think of it. There's actually no mention of the Jordan River. and In fact, the actual occurrence of Jesus' baptism almost seems like an afterthought. It's said in the passive voice. Jesus was baptized. There's no grand description of Jesus wading into the Jordan with John and John baptizing him. Instead, it's the events and the people surrounding Jesus' baptism that make it special. The practice of baptism in Judaism at this time is a practice of repentance. Those who were sinful came to repent of their sin and be washed clean. So it would seem that Jesus would not need to be baptized in this manner according to the teachings of the church. But Jesus chooses to be baptized. Not individually as some sort of demonstration for others, but as a part of the general crowd of people that were baptized. It's only afterward when Jesus is praying that a new element of baptism is introduced. The Holy Spirit descends in a form like a dove, and God's voice booms with the pronouncement that Jesus is God's son and that God is well pleased with him. It is a dramatic appearance of the Trinity, not only to Jesus, but to all who are present for the baptism. Baptism itself goes through its own type of transformation in this story as well. While it retains its meaning as being washed clean and repentant of sin, it also endows the Holy Spirit. As we saw in the reading from Acts today, the Holy Spirit actually doesn't always necessarily come at the same time as the physical act of baptism. It could come before, during, or after the practice of baptism by water, according to the stories in the Bible. Baptism washes us clean and also seals us with the Holy Spirit. We are marked as God's children, as part of a community, as part of the body of Christ. We welcome each other into the community of Christ through this practice. Luke's description of Jesus' baptism also highlights the importance of community in the process of baptism. Jesus identifies himself as part of the community by being baptized with all the others who were present. God's announcement to Jesus is not just for Jesus. It's for everybody who's, who's present there. He, everyone can hear his voice, and the entire group knows that Jesus is God's son. We encounter transitions every day. Some transitions are barely noticeable, We learn new things, we encounter new people, we try new foods, we get slightly older. But all these moments affect who we are as people. The cliche that you are not the same person as you were yesterday is true. We tend to take notice to transitions when they are big, however. Sometimes transitions are actions we choose to take. We change jobs, we move, we get married, 
and some are not. A loved one passes away, we lose our job, we have a major medical crisis. For the first kind, we can attempt to choose how those transitions will happen. At the very least, we can choose when they will occur. But most of the transitions in our lives have aspects that we have no control over. An example from Property Brothers. The homeowners choose to undergo renovations. The host of the show chooses what design elements will be, but inevitably there tends to be an unforeseen problem like mold or leaks or unstable foundations that the homeowners and the designer have to deal with. We try to make plans for our transitional points, but sometimes life doesn't allow those plans to go the way we want. Transitional moments do not have to be an individual moment either. We go through transitions as a community at both the local and global levels. Even as a church, we experience transitional moments within our greater, greater social context that point us toward new ways of seeing the world and engaging it. These moments of transition can be harder to deal with as people can have different approaches on how to deal with problems that are spurring the transitional moment. Unfortunately, sometimes our reactions during these transitional moments can be delayed because of the many diverse opinions within society. This can continue to create harm. For example, delays in our response to climate change as a society have continued our dependence on fossil fuel and continued the emission of greenhouse gases that have created irrevocable damages to the earth. Our failure as a country to adequately address issues of gun control have led to more mass shootings, more innocent deaths, to the point that reports of them have become commonplace in our media. These moments of transition are opportunities. They're not just events that can happen out there in the world, they are moments that affect all of us. What we can do is remember who we are as members of the body of Christ. We do have a choice in how we respond to these unforeseen moments within this transition. There's one thing that is always constantly present to us, God. God is present to John as a voice in the wilderness. God is present in Jesus. God presents God's self in bodily form like a dove through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to Jesus and lets both Jesus and those present know that this is God's Son. God is always there to rely on and direct us forward. Our baptism reminds us of our connection with the Trinity. God's constant presence to us does not mean that our lives will be easy, and it would be foolish to think that this would be the case. However, God's constant presence does mean that we should remember the love of God in how we treat one another and the world around us. We are called to love ourselves and to love our neighbors in a radical way through the teachings, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Oftentimes, the way that we are able to see God's presence is in community with others. Reaching out to our community for help and, supporting, and support during times of transition can be a helpful aid in making it through this liminal state. The wisdom and assistance of others can help us adjust to new ways of being in the world or to help us think about how to move forward from a pivotal transitional moment. Even Jesus had a community of support around him as he was about to begin his ministry. As we continue to transition into the future, dealing with our own personal periods of transition and our larger, larger societal moments of transition, we can remember some things. One is through, shown through Luke's narrative today. 
That transition into a new way of being does not mean that we have to leave those things that were in the past, leave behind those things that were in the past. They have helped to influence who we are and who we will become. The past can inform our decision. It's like the bare bones structure of a house upon which we can build. We cannot forget our past because without it, we have no foundation. But we also cannot be afraid to make transitions into the future. We cannot be afraid to speak out against injustice, to change how we live our lives because it will be, we think it will be too hard, or to fail to come together as a community and support one another through these transitions. While daunting, transitions are also exciting because of the possibilities they bring about. Like John, we need to have a vision for the future. We cannot get caught up in our own egos, misidentifying ourselves as outside of the problems or more powerful than we actually are as individuals, but instead see that at the heart of all change, changes and transitions, there needs to be support from one another, and most importantly, support from God. Amen. We come to a space of prayerful intention as the choir leads us in the singing of Lead Me, Lord.
As we enter into this time and space of prayer, I invite you to assume a position of prayer that is most resonant to your being, to sit, to stand, to come to the altar and kneel. After each intention, I will say the word, Holy One, and invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. Holy One, you call us by name and claim us, each one, within your heart's song. Hear now the concerns and laments, the joys and thanksgivings of our hearts as we offer this chorus of prayer. For the souls who devote lives in service to others, who heal, who teach, who counsel, those who advocate and protect, who administrate, and who offer caregiving and presence, and to those who serve in vocational ministry, Holy One, hear our prayer. For those souls who know physical and mental suffering, who are recovering from traumatic injury, who endure daily chronic pain. For souls who are living through emotional upheaval, whose nights and days are strewn with anxiety and fear. Holy One, hear our prayer. For our sisters and brothers who grieve the deaths of loved ones, the changes of unwanted transitions, the rending of separation and divorce, the loss of jobs, the shifts of identity or status. Holy One, hear our prayer. For our sisters and brothers who cry out for justice, who cannot assume equal treatment, who are targeted and profiled, who subsist with inadequate resources. For the sisters and brothers who are reviled or ignored for who or how they are, who have been rejected, maligned, and abused by we who call ourselves Christian, Holy One, hear our prayer. For the souls who handle and seek power, who govern or direct, whose decisions and indecisions radically impact lives here and abroad, for our leaders here, and especially today for the leaders in Iran and Saudi Arabia, North and South Korea, China, Syria, Nigeria, and Israel-Palestine. And for souls living with tenuous uncertainties, 
resulting in the need to flee their homes and seek refuge as the stranger at our door. Holy One, hear our prayer. For the souls enduring natural disasters of fire and flood, drought, earthquake and storm, for the strain of our own existence upon our planet and the creative manner in which she still works to alleviate our impact upon nature. Holy One, hear our prayer. For the spaces of joy and community, for new and anticipated transitions and change, for the reach of a loved one to hold a hand, for new beginnings and opportunities, both anticipated and unexpected. Holy One, hear our prayer. For these in the prayers of our own hearts and minds, Holy One, hear our prayer as we intone the words Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. By and large, services and activities here at the chapel remain suspended until the start of the semester, but we do note that this Friday evening at 7.30 p.m. here in the nave, the Yale Glee Club will be giving a concert. Some of you may be interested in that. Uh, next Sunday, we will be celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday and hope to see you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and then for the university's MLK celebrations the following day. For all of our upcoming services and activities, see the chapel website at bu.edu chapel along with the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon us this morning, we invite you to meditate on Morton Lawrence's setting of the canticle Onada Lukes. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, giver of light and life, marker of transitions, we lift up these gifts and offerings before you today. Bless them with your spirit that they may be used to serve your creation in the days and weeks to come. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face a shine upon you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. <laughs> 